Hey, this is the Hard Truth of Tony Schaefer, powered by Six Hour Never Settle. I have a choice of what I carried in combat. I always carry the best. I recommend you carry the best. Carry Six Hour for those watching, holding my P22, P220 uh, carry uh, Legion, which is one of my favorite carry weapons, 45 caliber, a 45 ACP. Great weapon. It's what I, I carried a 45 as my initial carry weapon, undercover weapon, but when I was a very young operative, I highly recommend any SIG product. That's one of my favorites. So, again, I think you should carry SIG Sour just like I did and do. Never settle. We're on the America Out Loud Talk Radio Network, also available on the America Out Loud Podcast Network. Check us out. Project Sentinel, projectsentinel.com.net. We're on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Rumble, and et cetera, et cetera. So today, uh, for our this episode of The Hard Truth, we're joined by Alex Trayman. Uh, Alex is the CEO and Jerusalem Bureau Chief of the JSN, JNS News. Uh, he's also directed a, a short do- documentary on Barack Obama and his relationship with the state of Israel back in 2012. He also serves as a media director and senior contributing voice at the Voice of Israel. He works with Emmett, which is an organization I've worked with before. A great, great work. So, uh, Alex, welcome to The Hard Truth. Thank you so much, Tony. Thanks for having me. So, Alex... Um, one of the reasons I've been looking to have this conversation, we're we're at the point right now that we're looking at Rafa. Rafa is going to be essentially the uh, the the correct, I believe, as a military guy, the correct next step for military action relating to the ongoing operations of the idea of the Israeli Defense Force, the IDF. Uh, but one of the things I note, and that's why I wanted to have someone who you're actually in in Jerusalem right now as we speak. Who actually has both a, a an on the ground as is in you're there experience, and then someone who can actually have a the ability to articulate the historic context of why this fight is important and how much the American people are being lied to by the American public. So if that's okay, we're going to jump right in. Go for it. Let's do it. All right. So fundamentally, one of the aspects of what we're talking about today is that there's an information war going on. Hamas, the the um, the Iranians uh, have all co-opted the United Nations and other international news outlets to carry their water. Is, 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 am I overstating that, or do you, do you agree with that? Well, if you just look at what's going on uh, with Hamas, you have uh, numerous reporters from and photojournalists from Reuters and CNN that came across on October 7th. They were part yeah. of the attack. You know, you have a photojournalist. You know, there's a picture of video of him on a uh, back of a motorcycle holding a hand grenade. OK, so I don't think he was using that to to take photos and send them to Reuters. And, you know, in, in 2021, the last time we had a major flare up between Israel and Gaza, you know, Israel bombed a building that was a Hamas headquarters. And then it drew international outrage because it was also the, it was also the uh, AP's headquarters. Yeah. Uh, and, and we have also Al Jazeera that uh, is collaborating with Hamas. So, you know, the Hamas actually doesn't, expect to beat the idf which is one of the world's most uh, powerful technologically advanced battle ready militaries and hamas just a, a terror organization what they what yeah. they're doing is they they on october 7th they committed an attack so large that they understood that the idf would go into gaza yeah uh, and, and they hoped that two things would happen number one they they would start to kill soldiers uh, in their booby trap territory and then that that loss would be so great that uh, Israel would decide it wasn't worth the price and they would pull out, or that, uh, number two, that the international outrage over killing Gazan civilians inside the territory would be so great 
that the international community, world powers, would pressure Israel to stop. And, and if Israel stopped in their tracks, then Hamas could wave the banner, the banner of victory. So right. the, 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 the place where this battle take you know is carried out is is in the media and on social media, and they have their agents uh, in order to, to take out that battle. Yeah, we're we're on the same page, and as frustrating as me being a member of the media here in the United States, trying to to basically go against the mainstream media, and uh, you mentioned Reuters, CNN picks it up, uh, MSNB, MSNBC picks it up, Fox News even picks it up to a certain extent. So it's been a very frustrating. Uh, push to kind of say, yeah, it's not what they say it is. And let's hit that real quick, Alex. Um, to me, that, that not only have they compromised their integrity, they've taken a side. They're not neutral. Uh, and, and you mentioned the guy with the hand grenade. I, yeah, I think that that you crossed the when, the moment you put a hand grenade and you're, you're playing for the team, you're, you should be a target. Do you agree with that or not? I mean, to me, if you if you have a hand grenade and you're helping Hamas, that kind of makes you a combatant, right? It absolutely makes you a combatant. Right. And, 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 when you under, and, and when you look at it, it's not just the media, right? So yeah. every hospital inside the Gaza Strip is a command and control center for Hamas. Yeah, so they're course. using the hospitals. Every mosque, every school, you have this organization, UNRWA, which is uh, the, the, re, the refugee organization inside Gaza, where, where they take care of refugees that live in the same country that they claim to be refugees from you know, for their entire lives and that refugee status gets conferred to the second, third, and fourth generations to perpetuate this refugee crisis. You know, but all you know that they, they, they know that UNRWA workers also participated in October seventh. So right. you know, it's a whole it's a whole structure of using every civilian tool available as cover, uh, and not just as cover, but even to participate uh, in inside the you know in the terrorism but then to to have a double standard on israel so when israel attacks a journalist when israel attacks a hospital or attacks a mosque that's being used to attack it that then israel's the bad guy well let's start that because i want to go down that path so i hear this constant drone of this is genocide it's not genocide it's not genocide i mean there's 400 million um arabs and I don't think the Israelis are going to have any interest in removing the Arabs from the face of the earth. I just like, it's like I roll my eyes every time I see It's like, what? They may talk in terms of disproportionate use of force. Like, is the IDF going to kick uh, the ass of Hamas? Oh, yeah, it's going to be bad. It is. But that's, you can't say disproportionate use of force, which I would argue it's necessary, is the same as genocide. So how do they get away with constantly using this genocide term when it doesn't apply? Well, the whole purpose of the genocide convention that Israel signed on to and all other nations signed on to was in the aftermath of the Holocaust, which was a exactly. systematic genocide of the Jewish people. The genocide yes. convention is there to protect the Jewish people so another Holocaust wouldn't happen. Right. Now, you, you, you talked about using proportionate or disproportionate force. So first of all, you know, disproportionate force has nothing to do with, okay, well, they killed 1,200 people on, and injured thousands of others on one day. So it doesn't, proportionality doesn't mean that Israel can then uh, kill 1,200 people, and that's proportionate. Proportionality, right. I'm with proportionality uh, you know, relates to the specific targets uh, that are, that that are military targets that that Israel needs to take out. So when you have a, a terror army inside Gaza, which is Hamas, of you know forty thousand fighters that have over thirty thousand uh, Qassam rockets that they've been firing at Israel during this conflict, and they have a, 
a teratonal infrastructure which spans 500 miles underneath Gaza. It's bigger than the New York City subway system right. underground. So when you're attacking those those uh, terror infrastructures, you know, so each attack has to be done with what's called proportion force, not be disproportionate. Now Israel yeah. has the lowest ratio in the history of modern warfare of of combatants to civilians killed at this point in the war there's a basically like a one-to-one ratio of civilian to combatant that loses their life honestly militaries are going to be studying what israel is doing as the gold standard for how to conduct operations and it's an urban fighting environment in which hamas is hiding among civilians that, that that the people that are firing at the idf they're not they're not uniformed soldiers they're dressed as civilians so the fact that israel's been able to keep this at a historic low right that no army's ever managed to achieve this low a level of uh this low ratio and yet israel's being accused of a genocide yeah i, I know it's a joke no no so to that point look i'm i spent 30 and a half years in our military i've had to fight in, in in urban environments and i can tell you from experience that is the most difficult environment to have to fight in i mean it's horror horrific and yet to that point alex the idf has been willing to sustain additional casualties they did not have to sustain by the fact they've been very precise room to room precision use of military force would you agree with that they've been very precise even 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 exposing their own soldiers to additional danger because they are trying to be so precise i mean it's completely lost and inside israel you have a lot of domestic pressure on the government saying you know why are you putting our soldiers at risk you know know. it's not you know in, in israel this is a it's a citizen's army Okay, so every single citizen in the entire country, it's a very small and tight knit country where like I I personally know dozens of soldiers that are that are fighting in Gaza. And these are friends, you know, their husbands, their fathers of young kids. You know, they're they're people's kids that we know are, you know, are fighting in Gaza and and we value their lives like we don't want even one soldier to die like we don't look at them as like a, a cost of war like each each soldier that dies in gaza is like a whole world to the israeli people you know so the I idea it, no. yeah, the, no, I, the idea say, that, I i went i went to high school in lisbon portugal and and uh one of my classmates root Roder, was jewish was israeli and so she you know back this is a long time ago but even then there was required military service and, and god bless you root if, if if you're listening but Root had to go do military service. She was a civilian soldier, as you mentioned, and I appreciate that. Let's let's move on to this other aspect of history, because I think we've clearly defined for the audience: don't trust anything you hear in the mainstream media, because it, it's it's been essentially propagated for purposes of propaganda, not factual and 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 and, uh, and, and correctly fact-based inform- information to to help people understand. But let's go back. You're sitting in a place called Jerusalem, right? Jerusalem, that's the name of it? The capital city of uh, the state of Israel and the Jewish yeah. people for eternity. Yeah. So uh, when was that city named? A long time ago, right? This is, goes back to the, the stories of, uh, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And uh, you know, King David was was king here, and Solomon built the temple oh, here. So you, yeah. the Jews have been there way longer than the Arabs and Palestinians, right? I mean, it's in the name, right? Am I, am I right on this? Judaism existed for thousands of years before oh. Islam and Muhammad was was ever born you know so, so this is my point like I try to explain this to my progressive uh young friends oh the Israelis are occupying Palestine it's like what are you talking about 
literally the 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 city the names of the cities especially with jerusalem goes back to literally the dawn of civilization the, how do you not get that and i don't the understand county, how uh, the county to the south of jerusalem is called judea yeah. jews are called jews because they're from judea right <laughs> and, and today the international community they don't they don't want to call that county judea they right. call it the west bank because they don't want you to know that that, that that's judea you know, I know. And, and the people that want a two-state solution, what they want is a two-state solution that no Jews live in. So what they exactly. want is the only county in the entire world called Judea. They want it to be what the Germans called Judenrein or Jew-free. So they want the ethnic cleansing of Jews to not right. live in the only county in the world called Judea. I'm with you. So I just, again, we're having a, a, a fact-based, people can check us out. They can check out what we're saying. It's historically accurate. What I don't understand, Alex, is how we have such a devotion to a false narrative by the progressive left. I think it's dangerous. I think it's not only dangerous, to your point, this leads to this whole fiction that the genocide didn't happen and all these other things didn't happen. It's like it did happen. And, and you all have the right of, of existence. You have the right to have your own country. Your country and, and the roots go back literally to the, to the dawn of civilization. And I, I don't understand how... Uh, Men and women who consider themselves to be intellectually superior to the rest of us, which just saying they actually think they do, can think they can get away with lying so blatantly about, quote unquote, the Israelis occupying, occupying Palestine. How is this possible? I mean, if you, if you look at it, I mean, the, the progressives and the liberals that, uh, you know, oppose you know, Israel in this conflict, support Palestinians, is the ultimate irony. If anybody spends even 10 minutes in the state of Israel, they will recognize that Israel is one of the most liberal countries, not just in yes. the Middle East, but in the entire world. And if they would just cross the street and go into the Palestinian-dominated areas, they're the most regressive and repressive yeah. uh, societies. And the, the progressives in America are siding with like they, they wouldn't they wouldn't last two minutes if they were living in these Palestinian areas where they would be embraced in Israel and they would love it here. Uh, but they they side with the wrong side. And that's that's part of this uh, narrative warfare that uh, that the state of Israel is constantly fighting. And and unfortunately, you know, I, I would say that uh, you in America, you, you've seen it time and again with it's not just about the Israel issue. I mean, there's there's uh, replacement theories that are are being constantly uh advanced by by progressives about uh about america and and its values and and the same thing here with, with regard to israel and its values well so let's talk about that because one of the targets of 7 october and i'm, I'm glad you brought up the 7 october thing and, and what was attacked one of the first targets that those uh those um those aerial uh, assault forces hit was this really cool concert i'm very you know i'm a libertarian so i'm just like you want to go out and party all night and get naked you go do that. You go, girl. And but this 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 concert was one of the primary targets. And and let me tell you, I saw the the, the shanty. I think was her name. All these poor uh, young girls who were literally attacked and raped and and worse. And so it's like, yeah. I mean, you have this liberal society. You can be gay or otherwise. Nobody cares. But you go to the West Bank. You go to the Gaza Strip. Oh boy, you 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 can't be anything liberal. Right. And, and so I don't understand how our liberals, our progressives here in the United States and around the world are so willing to pick up and support an extreme version of political Islam, which would go against the very values they they promote. How, 
how how do they in, how do they circle that score intellectually? Tony, you, you you know what they would accuse you of doing when when you just made that? They would say imagine. they would say that you are pink washing the situation here. They have a term mm. for that. You know when you talk okay. about how Jews can live in Israel, that's called pink washing the situation. Oh. So there's progressive language to to refute what you just did there, which is the truth. You know that's that's how that's how bad it is. When you point out the truth, they they tell you that that that's wrong as well. Well, so. tell me about the pink washing because I want I, I did not know this term, but this is I want the audience to understand this because I, I mean that that's what it is. You know when you try to defend Israel by saying that uh, that that you know homosexuals can live here in Israel and they can't live in Palestinian territories, that's that is a what the progressives have termed pinkwashing you're using the the gays and, and and what that should be is called intersectionality right because yeah. that you have that in america but they right. intersectionality doesn't apply to israel okay israel's on the wrong side of intersectionality so it can't wow. intersect with any other minority group even though the jewish people you know the, the state of israel was was founded it from the ashes uh, on the one hand from the ashes of the holocaust which was the worst genocide of modern history, systematic murder of six million Jews living in Europe. And then the second that the state of Israel was created, you had 850,000 Jews who were expelled from every country across the Middle East and North Africa, and they all came to Israel as refugees. So so one of the, like, the, the worst like mass ethnic cleansing of a people's, uh, you know, so that, that's how the state of Israel is founded on, on the ashes of a genocide and an ethnic cleansing. And yet still, like, we're not even allowed to defend ourselves against a terror organization. So, so yeah, so this is where I'm walking this conversation. So first, let me hit, let me, let's finish with 7 October. Why is it that the Israelis have not just released that, that horrific video? And I'm, I, I, I don't want to see it, but I should. And I think everybody should see it. The, the Hamas own video. I mean, I've heard people, I've talked to people who've seen it. It's horrific. Why doesn't the Israelis just say, here's the video, go look at it or, of, 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 that they've been showing to the media? I mean, it's like a snuff video. It's, it's, terrible. I know it is. I know, I mean, but I'm I just saying, I, I don't, I don't want to see it. You know, I've been down to the houses that are, were attacked in the, in the kibbutzim and in, in the South. And I've been to the site of the Nova festival. I don't, I don't want to see that video. I don't recommend anybody see that video. You know, it's, it's, it's horrific, you know? So, but I it seems to me that the, the people aren't convinced it happened. That's my issue. It's like, you know, because I keep saying, oh, it wasn't that bad. It's like, it was horrible. So there that's was, my issue. There was, uh, unimaginable. And not only did it happen, but but the, those videos that you're watching, yes, some of it comes from uh, Israeli surveillance. And, you know, obviously we live in a world where there's cameras every place. Uh, right. But a lot of that footage came off of GoPro cameras that the terrorists were wearing right. because they were wanted to document what they did, you know, which is, you know, unlike the Nazis who were a little bit embarrassed and they tried to cover up what they did. You know, Hamas wants everybody to see that these videos, they want you to see what they did. They want you to see terrorism uh, and because what happens is it, it creates copycats. And that, right. And that's oh, of, course. of course. So. You know, they, they want as many people as possible to see those videos. So this brings yeah. me to my next question, which may be uncomfortable. Why does the Democrats, why do, why do high net worth donors who are Jewish in the United States continue to support the Democrat Party? Yeah, I mean, that's a, it's, it's a hard question. You know, I, I think that, you know, historically, 
you know, Jews who many of whom came to America as immigrants, you know, either from from Russia back in 1900s and and after the Holocaust, you know, that uh, you know the Democrats supported them in these areas. They lived in these Democratic controlled areas, uh, right. and so they just got used to it. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I I don't know. I mean, the cities all Jews mostly live in in urban areas, and the urban areas have stayed mostly democratic like it's if you true. look at them now so you know i don't know if it's specifically a, a jewish problem but but it's 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 a good question because because the the democratic party particularly since the since the the administration of barack obama made it their primary foreign policy objective to uh to give money to iran as everybody understood that iran was developing illicit exactly. nuclear weapons you know, funding and organizing and terror proxies and, and terror proxies all over the region. It's not just Hamas. It's also Hezbollah. It's also the Houthis in Yemen who are fighting and firing right. at, at Israel and commercial vessels and, and have taken over part, large parts of Iraq and Syria, destabilized all of southern. They destabilized the entire region through their terror proxies. And the United States under under Democrats wants to, to fund these guys and, and the Iranians are saying that the reason why they're developing nuclear weapons and, and creating this ring of fire around Israel is because they want to wipe Israel off the face of the earth. So now how any Jew in America could want to vote for these policies. I mean, it's, and it's not because they're Democrats. Like nobody here cares, you know, who's a Republican who's a Democrat, but no, how can you vote for anybody that would want to, you know, put this, the state of Israel in, in existential danger. It's, it's a big question. Well, that's my issue because I, you know, I, I don't know if you knew this. I worked for Dr. Herb London, a Jew, uh, and I ran his center, this, the, the, uh, the London Center for Policy Research. We've worked with Emmett, like I said. Uh, he wrote a book on BDS. It's like uh, he basically called out a lot of the folks he's friends with in New York about the fact that you have this BDS movement, which is literally try back before the whole 7 October thing, was trying to undermine and, and essentially defund Israel, period, which was, to me, evil, stupid. But again, you have politicians who have essentially established a, 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 a vocal and sustained support uh, perspective on radical Islam. And I'm not talking about just Hamas. I'm as you mentioned, there's the issues with the, the, the Shia. The, the, the Shia have been essentially the most, I think, uh, active and violent because they're the ones helping organize Iran being Shia organize all of these militias against our interests, against your interests. You know, you've got Hezbollah, you've got the Houthi are all derivatives of, of this. And yet somehow, Alex, you have members of, of the Democrat Party, Rashida Tlaib, uh, AOC, all these other folks who have become vocal, sustained uh, supporters of, of this Islam, this, this political Islam. And so uh, it's to the point now where I believe, and I'm not going to put words in your mouth. I'm not going to. I'm, I'm going to. I don't want to have you say something that you feel uncomfortable with. But it seems to me this is driven that their activism and support for radical Islam is to the point where actual direct support to the Israelis by the U.S. government is now being jeopardized because Biden and his administration see that their support, the Talibs, the AOCs, are necessary for his reelection. And therefore, I would argue, because they are so focused on domestic politics, that is the Biden administration, they're pulling, potentially pulling support for the Israelis. What do you think? 
Well, you know, first of all, what you just did, that's what progressives would call Islamophobia, right? <laughs> I know. God, I know it's terrible. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think that this is this is a giant bluff. Uh, and, and I think that Israel has to be willing to call that bluff. You know, I first of so. all, for, for Israel, you know, this war is existential. OK, we have terror organizations that are not like thousands of miles away, like when the United States was fighting in a, the Taliban, you know, in Afghanistan or fighting right. ISIS in Iraq. Like this is these people walked across the border and murdered our citizens, you know, because they live yeah. right there. And we have Hamas inside Jerusalem also and in Judea and Samaria, what what everybody calls the West Bank. Like they're in they're not they're in our, our backyard and they're already like inside our house. So. Uh, you know, it, and then you have Hezbollah. It's it's existential for us. Um, but the idea that that you know we're hearing that uh, the reason why Biden can't su- fully support Israel is because of this progressive base, and they're threatening in places like Michigan that they won't vote for Biden if Biden sides with Israel. You know, I have a hard time believing that because I would have to imagine for progressives that probably don't know very much about the Middle East conflict might not be able to identify Israel on a map, uh, wouldn't be able to, to point out where the Israelis live versus where the Palestinians live and vice versa, that they have a lot of issues that they care about in, in 2024. Uh, and this one is probably pretty far down the list. So the idea that they would allow a Republican to become the president over this issue, uh, you know, I just... I just don't buy into that. So, you know, I think that Israel just has to keep doing what it needs to do and not allow uh, Biden to claim that uh, our existential issue is is an election political football. Well, I'm with you on that, Alex. You'll get no argument from me. So, but I'm not the one sitting in the White House and I don't look like Jake Sullivan, just saying. So, there you go. So, uh, anyway, we're going to have to take a break. We're halfway through The Hard Truth with Tony Schaefer, uh, powered by Six Hour. We'll be back after this break. And bye. Asiya believes that inside each of us is the potential to feel our very best. Our customers will tell you how our products have made a difference for them, from improving immune health and supporting gut health to reducing the appearance of wrinkles and even improving mind, mood, and energy. Make our breakthrough products an essential step in fulfilling your greatest potential. Asiya, we power potential. For exclusive savings, use code OUTLOUD to save 15% off your first order today. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company launched the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. Be a part of a revolutionary new healthcare system that puts your health and well-being above the interests of Big Pharma's bottom line. It's the way healthcare should be. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. The buildup of spike proteins is dangerous to your health. Global Healing's Foreign Protein Cleanse detoxes your body, removing the spike proteins, allowing your body to repair from within. Formulated by Dr. Edward Group and by Dr. Brian Artis, Foreign Protein Cleanse targets and detoxes spike proteins in the body. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get 15% off using the code OUTLOUD. 
Global Healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. You've all heard Dr. McCullough and others share over and over the value of keeping your sinuses cleansed. It's a smart move all year, but even more so when we're cooped up inside. It's not really open for debate any longer. Those that live smart and live well pay attention to nasal and oral hygiene. Cofix RX has just the tools for the job with our nasal and throat cleanse. Click the Cofix RX banner on americaoutloud.shop to get 20% off your entire order. That's right, americaoutloud.shop. Use coupon code OUTLOUD. That's coupon code OUTLOUD for 20% off your entire order. Use Cofix RX because it works. Cardiovascular disease is the leading cause of death and disability. Lifestyle changes are critical, but you can also support your heart with concentrated nutrients. Healthy Cell created heart and vascular health to support cholesterol and blood pressure with CoQ10, vitamin K2, resveratrol, and soluble fiber. And Healthy Cell's not a pill, it's a patent pending gel you swallow. Get heart healthy. Go to healthycell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Healthycell.com. Code OUTLOUD for 25% off. Well, the year 2024 must be the year of the Patriot and AmericaOutloud.news will equip you with all the information you need to give new meaning to the words Patriot Act. For our actions always ultimately define our words. Now is our time, my fellow Americans. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Liberty and justice for all. Hey, this is the Hard Truth, Tony Schaefer, part two, still powered by Six Hour, never settle. I had a choice of what I carried in combat. I always carried the best. I still carry the best. I recommend you carry the best. The best Six Hour, never settle. And then uh, also uh, a shout out to our friend Cherie Curry, uh, chainsawchick.com. Cherie does our, our cover and bumper music. So, Cherie, we love you. We always appreciate your supporting our show. And we are on the America Out Loud Talk Radio Network, also available on the America Out Loud Podcast Network. Of course, Project Sentinel is our home, projectsentinel.com.net, and we're on all the social media sites in the world, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Rumble, etc. So we're continued. We're continuing with Alex Freeman. Alex is the CEO and the uh, chief of the Jerusalem Bureau of uh, J- the JNS News. And uh, Alex, we've appreciated your clear and concise understanding of issues, which your colleagues in mainstream media just don't seem to understand. It's a mystery to me how... You know, they don't get it. So, but we are joined second half of the show by the resplendent uh, Elizabeth Breckenkamp and the dishy Chris Cardani. So there you go. That's right. Thanks. A major pink washer here. There we go. Uh, there you go. <laughs> Actually, I'm Italian, way, dish- so I'm Italian, so I guess you call me a sauce washer, right? That's right. You know, dishy is a real uh, word. I do check these things out before I say them most of the time. So <laughs> there you go. Dishy. Uh, so anyway, so Alex, we were just talking about kind of the direction of things. Now, I, I have one last uh, question I want to throw out to you, and I'll let the other folks jump in. So um, what what do you see coming? Because there's so much controversy about the fact that Netanyahu has said, we're going to beat Hamas. And a lot of people are upset. It's like, oh, my God, that's really strong language. 
but you just were just talking about it's an existential, existential threat against your existence. So, you know, why would you accept anything less than complete victory over a group uh, who basically said, we're, we're never going to accept your right to exist? So how do you see this turning out? Right. It wasn't a one-off either. I mean, Hamas has been oh. firing rockets at Israel since 2005. I mean, people don't realize that Israel actually used to have civilians living inside Gaza. We, we had 8,500 residents and 21 Jewish communities. The military was inside Gaza, which enabled them to, you know, quote unquote, mow the grass and take out terrorists when, when they would start to, to rise up. Um, and, you know, what we got for that, uh, for pulling out was just years and years of, of terrorism, tens of thousands of rockets, and of course, October 7th. So, you know, Israel is not willing to just, you know, get to another ceasefire. Like we had a ceasefire on October 6th. So this, this concept of just going into ceasefire and kicking the can down the road, the Hamas has openly stated that they would do October 7th again and again and again if they yeah. could. So, so for Israel, you can't allow that to happen. Any organization that, that a says it, but, but more importantly develops the means to do it can exist in your backyard. So, you know, Israel has been for the past 137 days, uh, you know, taking out Hamas, taking out their their leadership, taking out their their combatants, taking out their their weapons stashes, you know, to, uh, destroying the the tunnel network. And uh, you know, according to the IDF, they've destroyed already seventy five percent of the organized battalions, uh, which means which means that you've killed at least killed or injured at least half the members of every single battalion, destroyed the the control structure there, and there's six battalions to go. Uh, and they've moved uh, very strategically from the north to the south. They're in Khan Yunus right now, which is a, a major city in the south. It's believed to be one of the remaining Hamas strongholds. And then after Khan Yunus is the the southernmost uh, city in Gaza, which is Rafa, which is along the border right. with Egypt. Um, and now the problem is that because Israel's done everything that it can to reduce civilian casualties in the Strip, what they've done is they've told the civilians as they started in the north to go to the south and get out of harm's way. Well, now you have almost the entirety of the population of Gaza in and around Rafa. Uh, and of course, that's the reason why Hamas operatives and, and their senior leadership and, and also the hostages have been taken to that area to hide among all the civilians. Uh, right. So the United States and others are saying, well, you know, Israel, you can't go in there because all the civilians are there. So they're right. making it that that Israel has to come up with a plan to allow the civilians to get out so that then they can go in, which on the one hand is is helpful to a certain extent. You want it to be as least populated as possible when you go in. But at the same time, you know, as civilians get to leave, who else is going to leave? Hamas operatives, senior leadership, mm -hmm. and the hostages are going to get smuggled out too. And, and we know that that's the case because they were smuggled down to the south uh, in the humanitarian quarters that Israel set up. Uh, so, you know, you get the sense that the, you know, that, that the U.S. And, and others want Israel to fight, but they don't want them to fully win. But you know what? I, I think that they, they do uh, understand now the determination of Prime Minister Netanyahu and the IDF to go ahead and finish the job. And, uh, you know, we saw this week that they uh, that they vetoed a, a U.N. Security Council resolution brought by Algeria, which called for an immediate ceasefire. So the United States is not calling for that. Uh, they're somehow or 
allowing Israel to do what they what they need to do. And yet at the same time, they're also applying immense, immense uh, diplomatic and political pressure. Uh, and I think what you're going to see is that in, in the weeks and the months ahead, you're going to hear more and more and more talk about uh, the recognition of a Palestinian state, which would be a horrific reward for the right. worst terror attack in the, in the history of the of the modern state of Israel. Have you thought about moving the Palestinians to to uh, Ukraine? I think they, they'd be probably comfortable there. It's interesting that you say that because the second that the war started in Ukraine, you had Ukrainians running to the border. They were flooding out into Poland, flooding out exactly. into, into Romania and everywhere else. And the, and the big story was, well, who's going to accept refugees from the Ukraine? Even Israel took in about 35,000 refugees oh, from Ukraine. Wow. Many of them weren't even Jewish. And yet here in the in Gaza, so Egypt doesn't want any Gazans to come in. Jordan doesn't want any Gazans to come in. And the United States and others are saying not one Gazan is going to leave. So basically, this is the only uh, this is the only war in the entire world where the the residents in the war zone are not given the opportunity to leave if they want to. And so you have to ask the question, does the international community actually care about the well-being of Gazans that, that desperately want to get out of that area? Or are they just want to use them as a lever in order to pressure the state of Israel? So let, let's let me be blunt. I'm, I'm not going to ask you this question. I'm just going to make it as a declarative statement. I know from talking to my my contacts who are the the the, uh, the Sunni, the Egyptians and other Arab nations, they were convinced of the Abraham Accords and the wisdom there of, of opening up commerce and direct relationships with the Israelis. The Saudis were about to kind of to formalize that. And so I, I, I'm, I'm not asking you to comment, Alex, but I'm just I'm saying this. I don't think I, I don't think they want um, Palestinians. They don't. They don't want them. They, they will not take them. And oh, by the way, I think they're quietly like kind of cheering the Israelis on to get this done because one, the one thing that has stuck out and been a real hazard to bringing peace and prosperity to the Middle East, where the Israelis and Arab nations are working together, has been the, has been the Palestinian issue. Trump, President Trump, mm-hmm. and I was there at the White House when, um, with Mark Meadows, by the way, when uh, they had the ceremony. I wasn't in Jerusalem, but I was in the White House uh, uh, in D.C. with Mark and others watching the ceremony when President Trump decided to move uh, our embassy to Jerusalem. Uh, the, the correct, uh, he promised to do it. Other presidents promised to do it. He's the first one to follow through. And that's my point, Alex, is that I think that most recognize that there was real potential to bring, uh, you're, you're never going to have total peace. You're always going to have knuckleheads like the Islamic, uh, the uh, the Islamic Brotherhood, the, I mean, the, the, the ones in Egypt and all the other stuff. But there was a real potential there. And I think that uh, that's why you've seen this. Yeah, the Arab nations will say something publicly, but behind the scenes, I don't think I don't think there's much support for Hamas at all. Uh, I so just saying, I don't know if that's correct or not, but that's the impression. I mean, that's, that, that's absolutely right. I mean, uh, people they don't understand this because uh, they they don't understand Trump. But Trump, you know, how did he understand the Middle East better than all of these uh, State Department uh, career lifers over there? Yeah, he understood <laughs> the two basic principles. He said. A, you know, you gotta you gotta uh, punish 
those that are blind actors, you know, that are, are destabilizing the, the region. And you have to reward moderates that, that bring peace. And so, right. you know, he moved the embassy to Jerusalem. He recognized that Jerusalem's the capital of the Jewish state of Israel. You know, he recognized Israeli sovereignty over the Golan yep. Heights in Syria that it's controlled. You know, and 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 he punished. He punished the, the Palestinian Authority. He expelled the PLO mission from Washington, D.C. He shuttered a, a consulate which the, dealt directly with Ramallah that reported to the State Department uh, that was in Jerusalem. Uh, you know, he defunded the Palestinian Authority. He defunded UNRWA, which perpetuates the Palestinian refugee claims. He defunded UNESCO that said that... Uh, Jewish holy sites like the Cave of the Patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob was a Palestinian heritage site. So he did all of this. And you know what happened? Uh, it was the quietest period in Israel in a long time because right. the Palestinians understood that they would be punished for attacking the ally of the United States, which was the, the Jewish state of Israel. And then not only that, he turned around and he forged peace with all these countries. You had John Kerry, before you left, the Secretary of State saying, no, 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 no. You'll never have peace with the Arab states before you Israel has peace with the Palestinians. And, and we proved that the, the exact opposite is true. All these countries, especially Saudi Arabia, they, they don't haven't gotten a thing from the Palestinians. The Palestinians don't offer America anything. They don't offer the Saudis anything. They just destabilize the region, and, and they're sick of them. And, and what was beautiful about this was that the Palestinians no longer had a veto over peace and, and moderation in the entire region. And the other issue was Iran. You know, and the, the Saudis and the Emirates and the Bahrain, you, what they're also afraid of, of an Iran that develops nuclear weapons. And because right. the United States was no longer uh, a reliable ally for all of these countries, so these countries said, well, wait a second, who, who do we have? And they look around the region, they said, who has a military that can counteract Iran? That's Israel. So right. what, what the Saudis and others want and expect is for Israel to defeat Ar Iran's proxies. Exactly. Uh, if Israel does that, you're going to see very quickly normalization between Saudi Arabia and the state of Israel. But if Israel gives into into international pressure and and doesn't finish the job, doesn't defeat Hamas, doesn't defeat Hezbollah, allows Iran to continue on the track towards nuclear weapons, then what does Israel offer these countries? So so they're hedging. They're just waiting to see what happens. And in and in in private, they desperately want Israel to to win this of war. Of course. Yeah. But by the way, speaking of John Kerry, did, you know, he's gone. He left the administration. Did you know he's going off to Hollywood to film the Munsters remake? Uh, he's going to be Herman Munster with the big, big bolts coming out of his neck. I think it's a it's a role of a lifetime for him. Just saying. So good luck, John. We look forward to seeing you all green he, with bolts. He's a perfect fit. Yeah, that's right. All right. So let me open up to my colleagues. I've bogarted, so to speak, the, the question. So. So. Oh, gosh, there's there's so many things there. But, you know, Biden has said more than once, of course, he mumbles a lot trying to read his teleprompters, but he has um, said repeatedly to um, Netanyahu um, to to stand down, to think about it before you go in. You know, he keeps he keeps basically from what I have seen and read, he's ostracizing Netanyahu as if. Netanyahu is dumb enough to actually listen to Biden and say, oh, you know what, gee, Joe Biden's right. I guess I really shouldn't go in there and try to, you know, send my Israeli defense forces and try to um, uh, wipe out um, the rest of Hamas. The other thing is you never hear Biden um, um, criticizing Hamas. He's only criticizing 
Israel. He's not criticizing Hamas openly. And if you follow um, really the, the chain of money, Biden has given money to Iran. We know that. And then Iran then turns around and funds Hamas. So Biden is saying one thing to Israel, but behind closed doors, he's he's actually funding the attacks against Israel. I mean, it just it just seems crazy to me. What do you think? Well, you know, why would why would America pressure only Israel and not Hamas or Iran? Exactly. That's what I mean. Yeah. But but there's a reason why. There's a reason why you only pressure Israel well, because because well, Iran and Hamas, they're not going to give in to the pressure, right? They right. they don't care. So right. you, the only place where you can put pressure where you might see that side bend is Israel. Uh, and, and that's why they don't want Netanyahu as the prime minister. Now, you, you've heard them say he that uh, Netanyahu is an a-hole, is a bad effing guy. You know, Hillary Clinton said two weeks ago that he's untrustworthy, he has to go. This is the democratically elected... This, this democratically elected prime minister of an ally, okay? You know, they're not saying like the Mullahs in Iran have to go or or Mahmoud Abbas, who's in year 20 of his four-year term, that he has right. to go, right? They, they don't say that. They just say Netanyahu has to go. And the reason why is because Netanyahu opposes American policy of a two-state solution, okay, which no because Israel you know, today wants. It won't work. It's, it's, uh, it's never going to happen. Yeah, yeah. You know, there, there was a very, there was a very simple formula that uh, Clinton brought in with with Oslo, and a lot of people disagreed with this formula. They said it would never work, but the formula was so simple that a kid could understand it. It was called <laughs> land for peace. Okay, Israel doesn't have a lot of land, but it would be willing to give up some of the land it does have if the Palestinians would deliver peace in return. Okay, simple formula, and now. The Hamas, the Palestinians, have, have given Israel the worst horrific barbaric massacre in history and a war, which is now lasting for four months. And the international community is turning around saying, well, no, they get the land. And we're and in Israel, we're saying, what are you talking about? It was called land for peace, not not uh, not war for land. Right. If right. you want to fight, if you want to have if you want to win the land in a war, well, then let's fight for it. And whoever wins the war keeps the land. Well, but that's well, not what they're saying. Yeah. Here's what's going on. Here's what's going on. You have, you have uh, Joe Biden and, and the, the administration, the European globalists are saying, well, after this war, when you guys uh, take down Hamas, uh, it will be you can just walk back and say, OK, our bad. You can have Gaza back, whatever you want to do. By the way, for good measure, also take the West Bank. Yeah, Netanyahu's oh, not going not, not gonna to go for that. And I wouldn't go for that if I were him. An idiot, only an idiot would go for that, especially after what they saw. And after Hamas was saying, well, you let us regroup, we're just going to go back and attack again. And if they don't right. do it, I'm pretty sure another Iran-sponsored group will do so. So mm -hmm. that's an issue. And they know they can do it, or at least they have a very short window until after this coming election. That's what's mm -hmm. going to happen. And it is, however, gentlemen and lady, about that time. Uh-oh. <laughs> Tony's time Takes. For Tony's Takes. That's right. Uh -oh. Tony's Takes is powered by Sig Sauer. Never. Settle and I don't settle. Never settle. Nope. Never right. settle. All right. I don't settle for stupid questions either. I hope you don't, Tony. There you go. <laughs> you you're the one with the question, so you can all right. You can so speak Tony, for yourself. Tony, <laughs> Alex, Elizabeth, New York's Attorney General Letitia James continues this long victory lap over the trumped up oh. Trump decision. Yes. Now she says she's going to take Trump's buildings if he doesn't pay or can't pay the settlement. Judge Meathead Engrun, well, I mean, this guy, you look at this guy, he looks like Meathead when he grows up and doesn't uh, balloon out 300 pounds. Different story. 
He enabled oh. this by appointing a retired Clinton-appointed judge as a <clears throat> independent person in charge of making decisions to force oh. Trump to divest or take the business's assets away. Yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to do business in New York either, so you're right, Kevin O'Leary. But, Tony, what's your take? So I, I, I look forward to when they start seizing all the bogey dots. Is that what uh, Joe Biden calls them? Bogadas? Bogada? <laughs> How does she pronounce it? Anyway, Bogadas, they're somewhere in Kiev, I think. That's right, right the Kiev. So no, it's uh, no. They're going to start <laughs> taking the bodegas and they're going to turn bodegas. them into uh, essentially Democrat uh, National Committee offices. And 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 uh, this is uh, this is the beginning of the end because what they're going to do, Chris, is if you want a bagel, if you want a, a soda pop, you're going to have to basically put on a Democrat uh, T-shirt and say that uh, you're for Letitia James. It's going to be a big political operation. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, here you go. Speaking of meathead. Oh, no, no. Let's let's just take it for a second. So, Alex, do you do... I I, I don't want to get you into domestic politics, but everything kind of comes back to this. You know, they're they're trying to say that that basically assessing the value of 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 a building and then letting the bank decide if you're telling the truth or not by their own underwriting, that's bad. And that the, yeah, state the, and the state can now come in and say, yeah, we don't agree. We only think Mar-a-Lago is worth 18 million. It's like, what? I'm just saying, well, the, I mean, I don't they, know they how you do see that. that. They I can mean, do this anytime. Alex, I want to throw this at you as well. Uh, uh, most places do this in, in, in America. They highball, they highball the value and then they come to an agreement when the bank does its due diligence. Yeah. Deutsche Bank agreed that Trump was doing the right, was, uh, was valuing everything correctly. Uh, you see this from you see this from over there. What are, what are you seeing? What what is the what's the sentiment over there about what they're doing to Trump all around here? Well, what I would say is they they're doing the same things here to Netanyahu that they're doing to Trump. And oh, you've seen I didn't the, know that. The, the criminalization oh. of politics uh, here, you know, and the, you have trumped up tar, you know charges against Netanyahu. He's been fighting corruption charges that would have uh, amounted in mistrial at least three times, you know, if they were being held in the United States. Uh, wow. And the reason why they do it is in order to put pressure on the people to not vote for a corrupt official. But but the, the mm-hmm. stuff that they charge him with, you know, uh, basically bribery, trying to get better coverage in the media. I mean, that's a politician's job. You know, right. so they, they, they made it. They invented a crime that never existed on the books. Uh, mm-hmm. And then they charge him with it. And and. They, they had the, the court made them change their charge sheet multiple times. It would be a mistrial in America. Two seconds, you know, uh, jurists like Alan Dershowitz, you know, have been all over this saying these aren't crimes. No prime minister in a Western country has ever been charged with things like this uh, and, and that this, this shouldn't even be a trial. But, the, you know, that doesn't stop. it. They're doing the same thing to Trump. And the other thing that they're doing is that they use economics as, as a weapon, right? Wars yeah. today are fought economically. Uh, yeah, and they don't just fight against nations economically. They, they fight against individuals economically. And the United States just passed an executive order uh, about two weeks ago, now starting to sanction what they're calling violent settlers in Judea and Samaria. I saw that. Yeah. That's insane. Yes. Yeah. That's insane. Now, first of all, like violent settlers, if anybody knows the, the, the suburban residents in Judea and Samaria, they're like the sweetest people on earth. Okay. And you have, you know, you have some youth that basically push back when the army does not defend them against Palestinian terrorists that have yeah. done thousands and thousands of shooting attacks, rock attacks, you know, mm-hmm. infiltrations into their communities, you know, and they just, they just like push back to say like, don't, don't attack into our town. And so now the, the U S is sanctioning, you know, residents for residents of Judea and Samaria who have never been convicted of a crime in an Israeli court. 
And, and because uh, because uh, the banks in Israel do a lot of international transfers using SWIFT and other services, the, the United States has said by executive order that if the Israeli banks don't freeze their bank accounts, that those banks won't be able to par participate in international bank transfers, which would essentially shut them down. So now you have the United States by executive order sanctioning Jewish residents in Judea and Samaria to the point where their Israeli bank accounts are now frozen. Okay, so this is all part of like a new economic warfare. You saw it in Canada with, with those trucker protests yeah. against uh, yeah. Justin Trudeau's policies. What do they do? They, they freeze their bank accounts. They shut them off. They say, your money? Oh, that's not your money anymore. That's our money. You can't use it. That's insane. So this, this is, uh, I think people should be very disturbed. Yeah. Believe me, they want to follow suit here on all of this. The idea is that we, the the Western, this is what happens when midwits start running the countries in the, in the West here. Uh, we have we have people like Justin Trudeau, Joe Biden, uh, uh, the various uh, so-called leaders in in uh, Europe. They they're they want they want the world to look at Israel and America, and of course Canada and Britain at one point were all points as the white uh, the white uh, uh, oppressors, if you will, the co the colonizers. I believe that's the term they use. I heard I heard pinkwashing earlier, so let's let's use some more of their terms here. But the idea is. Uh, they can easily and conveniently make Israel look bad because they're the quote unquote white people, the oppressors in their tiny country as compared to these large Arabic countries who are who are still many of them wallowed in the third world, to be honest with you. Right. Well, while Jews are the indigenous people in the state of Israel, the, the Jews are called the children of Israel, right? <laughs> right, right. Israel, but, but, yeah, but midwits don't know that. They only know and, what's and on not the only that, but, but even the idea even the idea that it's like white uh, occupiers or colonialists—I mean, more than half the country is, is come from descendants of of Jews that were born in Muslim majority countries in the Middle East, and North Africa. You have right. Yemenites and and Iraqis yeah, and, and Persians and Egyptians and Syrians and and Lebanese Jews and white. Jews from they're everywhere. Even white. You have yeah, Ethiopian exactly. Jews here. Like this country's not even white; it's a dark country, and and uh, right. <laughs> so every part of the narrative is, is a perversion. It's all phony. Yeah, absolutely, it is all phony. We have a couple of minutes left. I guess I can do one quick one, Tony. Very all right, quick, one quick one, Chris. All right. Um, the speaking of Meathead, uh, Rob Meathead Reiner's documentary "God and Country: The Rise of Christian Nationalism." Uh, yeah, okay. You know where this was going? It was humiliated, opening at thirty-eight thousand. $38,000. That's right. That has to be terrible. Consider this, though. Many people who follow him love leftist propaganda in the movies, but they were they thought this might have been so boring that even the sheep wouldn't show up. What's your take? So it's disappointing uh, because uh, Rob was trying to raise money so he could buy a Hunter Bart Biden work of art. And I'm telling you right <laughs> now, those things are worth a lot because uh, people don't understand it's not about the art. It's about the scratch and sniff aspect of it. If you, if you actually get one of those, Chris, you scratch it, it smells like uh, uh, cocaine, prostitutes, and uh, a, a little bit of Chanel Number no. 5 and, and uh, Old Spice. It's quite, it's quite, uh, quite the uh, all-round room filler, if you know what I mean. So Rob, is, Rob was counting on the income from his movie to do that. It's very disappointing. Well, most of the artwork. The only artwork that doesn't smell like what you say is the, one of, the, one, the portrait he did of his dad, Joe. That smells like depends, but that's a different uh, story. Well, the, the unused <laughs> depends don't smell bad until they're used. I think you're implying used depends, Chris. 
Just lesbians. Use defense, it. yes. Yeah. Maybe. And, and, and Maybe. he needs a new pair of sneakers, by the way. I, I know there's a couple uh, uh, different designs that have just come out, but I'll get into that at another time. Oh, uh, yes, we should well. get... We should uh, send Joe Biden some Trump sneakers. What are they like? A couple thousand dollars a pair? Isn't it something like that? Well, it might help him walk up and down Air Force One since he tripped again yesterday on the kids' stairs. Twice. Yep. Anyway, that's another story. So, Alex, thank you for putting up with us and hanging out here on the hard truth of this. We've really appreciated your uh, helping us educate our audience. So where, where can people find more about you and what you do? Uh, go online to jns.org, Jewish News Syndicate. Great. So we'll put the post and links on, on when we uh, post this uh, audio and video. So, look, I uh, please come back. We want to have you back after Rafa's done and, and, and we're kind of on amend on, on you guys being able to move forward to secure your country. We appreciate everything you do to help inform people. And uh, Chris, thank you for being here and running the board. And uh, Elizabeth, always great to have you. So we'll be back next week with another episode of the Hard Truth Tony Schaefer. Uh, look forward to seeing you then. Thank you.